theoretically possible. Why waste time? But it doesn't make any sense. Discovery Houston press to ATO. Three, two, one. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back. Welcome, wonderful friends, to another episode of Life Out of the Box. Today's a follow-up episode that we will be discussing based on a previous episode. You could check it out. Having to do with Quinn hosting a virtual meetup. Yeah. I mean, we've been intending a lot of virtual meetups in the past, I don't know, however many months. But 2021, 2020. Yeah, everyone It's been has, the year. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's all about virtual. But these events are really interesting because they've evolved a lot. I mean, there's it's one thing to have meetings over Zoom or, you know, whatever. All, all of the meetings that you are having to have with a group or project or a company or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's another thing to actually host, host an event, right? Yes. And so it's been really interesting. I've been helping out on the back end with this group with Women in Blockchain Talk. So that's what we're talking about. That was the last, um, what, this is a follow-up episode to that previous episode where I was just prior to that event excited and sharing what we, what we were going to talk about basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a really successful, great event. We did it on. Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I really love this field. I love talking with people about it. Why? Where, you know, I mean, it's just there. I don't have. There aren't a lot of people who I can talk to about this stuff. So mm. to be able to like be in a situation where I'm have to me an interview is more like a conversation, right? I'm not in yeah. it for like with an agenda of like here's what I need to get out of you, right? So for me it's more about let's have a really interesting conversation. I know a little bit about you, you know, and and then see where this goes and there's no needing to explain what is a blockchain. You know, mm-hmm. what is blockchain technology? You can carry the conversation. Yeah, it's a beyond. higher level, yeah, that we can have and and it pushes me also to really clarify and simplify things because it's not just a conversation between me and another person. It's also being, you know, watched by a lot of people mm-hmm. as an event itself. So, yeah, live it, and live. recorded. Yeah, and and, and and I mean live is live. At live events, as we know, as as we know, at live events, like things go wrong, and the best thing you could do, you could plan for it, and something could go wrong you can't really control for. Well, from what I saw, I didn't see anything go wrong. I thought you did an excellent job, and as I said earlier today, you were like Barbara Walters. Oh, that's like such a nice compliment. (laughs) Barbara Walters is awesome. Yeah, it was very good. You, you, you. It's it sounded really welcoming the way that you were discussing with them. Very complimentary. I expect very great report from all of the attendees on, nice. on Quinn's performance. I hope so. I mean, it was fun. It was one of those things I was nervous leading up to it. But then once it happened, it was all good. You know how that happens sometimes. You and I have done a lot of public presentations and leading up to it, it's like, oh, I'm so nervous. Yeah, well, there was one mishap. And that was, unfortunately, one guest canceled at the freaking yeah, last second. Yeah, so that was really interesting. So one of the, the NFT artists, Itzel um, Yard, she's amazing. She has an amazing story to tell. And I don't know what happened. There was, I mean, I don't know if it was miscommunication, life miscoordination. Happened. You know, life happens. And that's why I was bringing up the fact that, you know, if it's a live event online or if it's in real life, in person, it's still live and these things happen. So you have to adapt. And so that was probably the biggest curveball that I got during the event. Um, tech went well, which is always a thing, you know, for virtual events, <laughs> the tech, the presentations and the, you know, internet and internet speed on both ends. Because the person who we, who I ended up, you know, only talking to because it's did not show up at all and so luckily I had I had kind of thought you know what would happen if 
I had talked to with Lavinia, who is the founder of Women in Blockchain Talks, like, what if she doesn't actually show up? Mm-hmm. And we both came to, you know, we, we quickly planned a plan B if that were to happen. So I am grateful for that, because if that was really actually happening in real in real time, I mean, I think that it would have pushed my own skills in, ter- in terms of being able to, you know, adapt and pivot. Well, the show must go on. The show must go on. So it was a great learning lesson, actually, in the end. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, she didn't show up. Um, and so, I don't know, maybe we'll have another conversation later down the line, bring her on, maybe not. But I think mm-hmm. that her story is an amazing one and one that a lot of people would find fascinating. But, but who was the person that you interviewed? Yeah, so Rhonda Al... Um, Al Rafai, she is in Lebanon. So she's a Lebanese woman who is really, she was the first person, first woman in, you know, her, uh, her country to really lean in to, um, blockchain technology and embrace and educate people in with Bitcoin. She mm-hmm. created the first, um, community uh, meetups and whatnot in her own area. And, you know, I learned a lot about Lebanon and that was one of the things I really wanted to, um, really pull out of the conversation was, look, I've never been to Lebanon. I know mm-hmm. that what's going on in, in the United States, um, the state of, you know, decentralized finance and, and all of that stuff, blockchain technology, but what is it like over in Lebanon? And mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, they're already, they're going through hyperinflation. There are, there are things and trends within their country, um, you know, civil unrest, um, political corruption, um, hyperinflation. So all of these mm-hmm. things become catalysts for things aren't working. Obviously we need something else. Mm-hmm. And so for her sooner than later, sooner than later, exactly. And so for her to really, to be there and to be able to talk with her, it was so fascinating listening to her. I mean, she's really a huge inspiration. And I did tell her that because, you know, despite all of the things that will go against her and her trying to spread the word and bring awareness and educate people about blockchain technology. There's a lot mm-hmm. of barriers there. She still goes like on. Government or? Yeah, it's governmental. It's all. It's also infrastructure. It's mm. you know electricity and internet. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's pretty basic things that you and I both definitely became very much aware of when we were living in Nicaragua and Guatemala yeah. and, and other things parts that the world. a lot of Americans take for granted too. Right. Exactly. But what what's interesting is you know if. If she can, you know, like through this education and awareness and whatnot and bringing, yeah, bringing government of government officials, trying to educate them, trying to bring in people from the private sector and then also just actually like young kids teaching them what money is and and what this what what Bitcoin is and really trying to educate people with financial literacy. Mm. That is a really huge task to take on. And she just does it with such a brave face. And she says, I know it's going to take time. But I think it's, it's for, it's, she beautifully said it's for, it's for my daughters, you know, I'm Hmm. a mom and I want a better future in their home country for them in the future. And this is the solution. It's going to take a lot of time, but there are, what else do we have, right? Mm -hmm. The current system is not working in so many different ways. And one thing that was really interesting is that I've, I learned that, um, actually Lebanon is a very young society. Their citizens are very young. I mean, the majority Hmm. of the people who live in Lebanon well, actually, the majority of Lebanese citizens don't live in Lebanon. Hmm. Um, they actually are all around the world. And the age range for the majority of Lebanese um, is between 30 to 40. Wow. That's it's like really huge. Young. Yeah, it's really young. So, you know. We're I, so young. We're so young. <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to, I asked her was, well, does that mean that they're more accepting of this technology? She said, absolutely. But we have some barriers to get over. And we have, and one of them includes, like, a lot of infrastructure and so how do you how do you even begin and so you know but she she iterated how amazing 
the fact that we do have the internet and she does have global support and she has other people around the world that she can talk to, learn from, share with and connect with to really help move her mission forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, you know, that was encouraging to say the least. And How long has she been in the space for? Years. I mean, I think that it's been since 2016. Yeah. So 2016 wow. is when she start, first started getting into it. She came from the world of banking, which was really interesting. So she saw a lot of stuff that was going on. And she, obviously there's, I mean, when there's a revolution that happens in your country, which happened only just in 2019, you know, what that really kind of up, upends a lot of stuff. And mm-hmm. one of the more, one of the most interesting projects that she really was a huge part of in advocating for um, was basically using blockchain technology for a new voting system hmm. for the new government. That could be very useful. Very useful. And why would it be useful for a voting system? Well, it's transparent. It's right. immutable, which means that no one can change it once yep. it's done. Um, and then, you know, what, what that does ultimately, so you vote and no one can change it. So that eliminates corruption and everyone gets to see who voted where in X, Y, and Z. And the thing about that is, well, wouldn't that be such a great way to establish trust in a community where, or in a country where there is civil unrest or there's government upheaval. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's been a huge change that everyone's trying to figure out now. Um, and if there's any sort of um, sense of stability that needs to be brought in, I think that it usually comes in via trust with mm-hmm. the government, the corporations and the people. Trust and so is key. trust is a huge thing. So it's trustless. And, um, but that, I mean, she explained how that was actually, it actually was a very well-designed project. It really could have worked, but it just wasn't right. It wasn't ready. So she knows that it's going to take a lot of time, but man, just hearing her enthusiasm, her optimism, she was sharing some pretty dark things. Like there were, you know, I guess there were some, um, COVID tests that were, um, they knew that they were false. They actually, they knew that the rate was not ever going, it was never actually giving anyone a false positive or a false negative. Like it was just, it just didn't work. It didn't work on the COVID virus hmm. at all, but it was, everyone thought that, you know, they got their tests and they were, they were negative and then it kept on spreading. And she said, that's like one of those other things too, that if we could actually verify where that test came from and does it actually ver- like validate that you are sick or you're not sick with that virus. There's so many things that we can't trust. Now Now the people over there don't trust any of the testing systems, so no one's getting tested, mm. you know? And it's, it's similar to vaccines and food and, you know, all these things. I mean, in order for us all to really work together, we have to trust mm-hmm. that it's going to actually, we're going to do what we say that we're going to do. The products that we buy or the things that are going to save our, our lives are actually going to do that. And so mm. how do you really establish that? And blockchain technology, just based on some of the characteristics that it has, really can be a solution for some of those problems where I don't really know what else could be the solutions to those problems. Mm. Um, so anyways, it was a wonderful conversation. I felt honored to talk with her. It sounds like you walked away from it being more grateful for a lot of the opportunities that you have or the benefits of just being here in the United States. Yet it also sounds like you're looking towards the future and seeing a lot of hope to help her create Lebanon to be the country that she envisions it to be in the future. Yeah. Which is what we want to see all around the world. I mean, that's one reason we love this type of technology. What is, what are some of your biggest takeaways from talking to her? Yeah. I think, um, one of the one, one of the big things that you just is what you just said. I mean, I am, I come away with it with immense gratitude for where 
I currently am right now and know that there are problems with this country, but there are mm -hmm. other problems around the world that are seemingly insurmountable to people and, and would be if they existed here in this country. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that there's, you know, it, it's not like, oh, this technology exists. Great. Let's use it and let's make a better future. That's like, that's not reality. You know, there are still mm -hmm. places around the world where these things are going to be blocked and restricted and, and, you know, they're going to take the power away from centralized figures, authorities, institutions, entities, and governments. And that changes things. And that doesn't really, you know, necessarily progress the human race forward. And to me, I, I mean, you and I always talk about we're global citizens. Like everyone mm -hmm. should be thinking of this like as global citizens. But one of the big things that she said, um, you know, because I kept on saying, I, w I really want our community to step up and, and in any way that we can help support, whether it's spreading the word about what's going on or what you're trying to do. Or she said she had a startup fund. She has an association where she's trying to really educate people mm, that's cool. and whatnot. Yeah. Bring people in who have uh, ideas and startups and they want to really try to help help bring that to light. Because, I mean, it's to me, entrepreneurship is a huge way to really bring innovation and progress forward, For in, sure. despite where you are. I think we both believe that. We really do core. believe that. Yeah. But um, I think one of the one of the other big takeaways for me was, I think anyone one of the things she she specifically said the countries who reject this technology will pay the price for it later on. You believe that? And yeah, that's not quoted by her, but that's essentially what she said. And I agree, I do. I, I think it, you do that to your own peril. I mean, why any time that we've rejected something that really could actually make life better mm. for more people mm -hmm. and not thinking just about our own country or our own you know our own people or whatever that we are actually global citizens mm -hmm. i really do think you know th those who embrace it now anyone who leans into the future that's 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 what it's all about right right i mean to me it, it, we both talk about so much how we are leaning into the future and how essential that is mm -hmm. but it's a whole other thing it's one thing for us to say that as individuals mm -hmm. but it's a whole other thing for like a country to do it or a government mm -hmm. to do it and say you know what we're not scared of the power we're excited about the potential that uh, that this has and let's you know we've been a developing country for how many years mm -hmm. let's not be a developing country let's be something in the next 10 years that everyone looks at and just does like, can't believe that you took a risk on that hmm. and actually, you know, thrive for, for once in the last century, you yeah. know, and, and, and I'm talking about some of the countries that we've even lived in. I'm not talking about Lebanon necessarily. I'm talking about countries that we've lived in countries that we've traveled to, you know, I've always, that's one of the existential things that I've thought about so often is how does, how do you turn this around? How do you actually get a country to go from developing to developed? Or, mm. you know, uh, from a stagnant country to an accelerating towards a future country. Hmm. And is it just, is it as simple as government? Not necessarily always. It has to do with government. It has to do with private sector. And it has to do with individuals. It's complex. It's a very complex equation that no one's actually ever figured out. But I think one of the things I really connected with what she was saying is, you know, it, it's, so important for financial literacy education to be had all over the world, regardless of if they're using cryptocurrency or their own currency, because only through financial literacy can you understand the impact of hyperinflation. And if you don't understand what hyperinflation is and your country's going through it, you don't understand what outcomes and how that's going to impact you and your family down the line and the whole country. Mm. And if you're voting, how do you know 
who to vote in and who to vote out, especially if you just have no idea how the whole financial system works. And, you know, when we're talking about banking the unbanked, you know, that's like our artisans in Nicaragua and Guatemala. They're not banked. They don't have IDs. And so if you've never been banked, how are you supposed to know what a collateralized asset is? How are you supposed to know what a loan is? You know, that's not a shark loan. That's actually a loan that you can pay off. And how, how do you know how to use a credit card or how do you know how to actually gain interest with savings? Hmm. Even just the fact of like teaching someone how to save, you know, that that whole step is missing. It's complex. In a lot too, of areas. It's a lot of information too, but it it, it's not like it can't be addressed. I mean, education is the key towards forward progress in a weird way. It is. But, you know, is it educating the public first or is it, you know, I think about El Salvador and I asked her about this too. And what we both agreed upon was really interesting. The fact that El Salvador is an interesting case, fascinating because, you know, the government has embraced it. So they have said, we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to, this is, this is legal tender. There's nowhere else in the world where the government has said we completely accept Bitcoin as legal tender in mm-hmm. our country yeah. and are encouraging people in that country to actually use it. And how do you actually get to use it? Well, you have to educate yourself. And now it's in the hands of the government to educate the public. And what will that do for the next generation? I mean, mm. it's, kind, it's kind of mind-blowing if you really think about it. And it's not just the government either. You know, we've talked mm. about Bitcoin Beach. We have a whole episode. Check that one out. Um, but basically, it's not just the government. The government is definitely going to have to educate people on Bitcoin specifically. Mm-hmm. But in doing so, they're going to have to also educate the difference between that and a dollar mm. and why Bitcoin was accepted over the U.S. dollar. Hmm. And I mean, they're both accepted right now in El Salvador, but why that was a necessary thing for them to accept. It's just going to change the whole game of what is money to people in that country. Mm -hmm. But education is going to be super important. But right now in most parts of the around the world, education is not coming from schools. They're not coming from, it's not coming from the government. It's coming from individual communities like women in blockchain talk. It's coming from people Mm -hmm. like her who's put, bringing together community and meetups and trying to get these associations together so that people can come in and have a, have a nice place to actually learn and engage. Mm -hmm. And so right now it's in the hands of small communities online and in person. I was going to say to bring it back. It, it sounds as though this, uh, incredible female leader that you spoke to is probably one of the, uh, on the forefront of pushing that education forward in her country. She is speaking to government officials, speaking to the people, speaking to the younger generation, going to classrooms, doing the whole ordeal to make the world or to make her country more ideal to a future that she wants to see it. And honestly, it's the same for us. We want to see it be that way too. Yeah. Well said. I know. And it was really sweet to hear, you know, like I, I, she thinks about her daughters and that's like her motivating drive is she doesn't want to make them have to leave their home country. She yeah. wants them to be able to have a future in their home country where they can thrive and prosper mm-hmm. and be happy and all the things that you want for your kids. And so to me, that is a very pure and authentic motivating drive yeah. that really speaks about you know who she is. And it makes me really proud that people like her are at the home in these countries and they need our support. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They need our support and they need, that's why I think we wanted to record this episode is it's not just about the live event experience and stuff like that. It's really about sharing some of these stories and highlighting them that people are working their butt off. They're not getting paid very much They're, but you know, and it's not like it's a nonprofit either. It's like, Mm. what are they doing it for? They're doing it for the betterment of the future in their own country because 
it's not it's not bright right now. And I think mm-hmm. that we can all understand that and empathize with that to an extent. The world is weirder than it's ever been with the pandemic. And it's always going up and down and everything like that. Can you imagine all of this uncertainty on top of a revolution in your country and on top of hyperinflation where, you know, it's just... It's tough. It's tough. So, you know, despite all of that darkness, she is she remains optimistic and driven to do what she wants to do for, you know, the, her own country and for the Arab ecosystem and the community as well. Mm-hmm. So, And you believe she will. I do. I'm pr- I was proud to be able to have a conversation with her. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I'm very honored. grateful that you got to experience that and share your moment with me and our wonderful friends. Thanks, babe. Because... It is going to require education, and I think even just us having this conversation where you're educating me and we're chatting with our pals, it is, it, it is the first initial step to make forward progress towards a more utopian-type world that we envision. And I yeah. think we are taking step-by-step step there, never as fast as we want it to go. But at the same time, we accept that, and we are going one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. So cheers to you, my love. Perfectly said. Love you, my love. And uh, we will talk with you all tomorrow. We look forward to speaking with you then. Bye.